Welcome to the Health Leaders Revenue Cycle podcast. I'm Alexandra Pecci, Revenue Cycle Editor for Health Leaders. My guest today is Paola Turchi, a Revenue Cycle consultant who is a certified professional coder through AAPC, a fellow healthcare financial professional through HFMA, and a certified medical practice executive through MGMA. Welcome, Paola. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Alex. I'm very excited. So it's very hard to believe that we are officially one year into the COVID-19 pandemic. And I've invited Paula here today to reflect on that crisis and talk about how it's really changed the revenue cycle forever. So again, thank you for being here. I know that in your role with Allscripts, you get an inside look at how a really broad swath of people have been dealing with the pandemic over the past year and how it's changed and evolved along the way. So broadly speaking, what are some of the big ways that revenue cycles have changed for the better over the past year? And where are folks still really struggling? <laughs> so Alex, last year was quite a roller coaster for many organizations. Uh, but I will say that this crazy ride sure brought a lot of opportunities to enhance the revenue cycle processes. Uh, for instance, uh, some organizations implemented online or mobile check-in procedures so patients will not have to interact with their staff members prior to being seen. Uh, these tools kind of capture the updated patient demographics, the new insurance information, and all the required co-payments and out-of-pocket expenses directly from the patient a few days prior to the appointment. And I would say this was big, right? Because when we're talking about streamlining the front office and minimizing the time patients spend in the waiting room, this is a very good tool to do such a thing. Um, another area that benefited from this crazy ride was scheduling. Some organizations implemented online and smart scheduling capabilities to help them support and really prioritize the backlog of services that were canceled due to the pandemic. So all of those non-elective procedures that, that got canceled at the beginning of the pandemic and in some instances are still being canceled. So not only were patients able to reschedule some of these services without having to call the office themselves, but the offices were able to prioritize the opening spots to first treat those patients that needed it the most. Mm -hmm. um, I would also say that the pandemic has pushed the industry to quickly adopt um, a new revenue stream with telehealth services. Many organizations were somewhat able to maintain visits, um, the, the visits level by supplementing office visits with video conferencing, telephone calls, et cetera. It is of course known how these services will be reimbursed in the future once the public health emergency is lifted. But I do believe this type of service uh, delivery model is, is here to stay. Uh -huh. And um, finally, I, I would say the pandemic has facilitated the adoption of processes and technology that support a work from home staffing model. Whether this has been a blessing or a curse for some organizations, <laughs> I would say it really depends on the organization, but it sure has highlighted the possibility of having employees work remotely. So there are new numbers out now from the American Hospital Association and Kauffman Hall showing that hospital revenues in 2021 are projected to fall between $53 billion and $122 billion from pre-pandemic levels. Where uh -huh. are some areas, which is it's terrifying, right? So where, yeah, are some, exactly. where are some areas that revenue cycle leaders can look to for making up some of that lost revenue cycle, even as they continue to kind of deal with the pandemic? 
So Alex, this past weekend, I was the moderator for a revenue cycle panel at the HSMA South Texas Leadership Forum. And uh, the panelists really concentrated on the importance of diversifying their business lines to address the drop of inpatient and ED services. Uh -huh. um, this was a trend that had slowly started a few years ago, but it sure has been accelerated due to the pandemic. Um, they mentioned the importance of looking at ways to shifting inpatient and ED revenues to other sources of, source of income, such as outpatient surgery centers, nursing homes, decision alignments, urgent cares, et cetera. Um, in regards to revenue cycle processes, the effort continues to be focused on making sure organizations are capturing every dollar they are entitled to. Um, they need to make sure that they are tracking their denials and proactively implementing processes to avoid them. They need to monitor contract adherence to make sure that all their payers are accurately processing their payments. Um, need to implement processes to make sure that all services that have been provided have been captured and they have been billed, so you are not leaving um, dollars on the table. They, they also need to implement tools to proactively collect from the patients for non-emergent services, so price transparency, being proactive, collecting upfront. And I would say last but not least, um, it's important for organizations to automate back-end processes with robotic process automation and machine learning so they can timely address all outstanding claims. You mentioned earlier the issue of remote staffing. And when it comes to remote staffing and workforces, how do you see that evolving as we move into year two of the pandemic? And what are some best practices that you have seen from organizations that have done this really well? So I envision that in year two, many organizations will adopt a hybrid model where some employees and our roles will remain remote and some will be brought back into the office. Um, organizations in urban settings uh, will perhaps be more likely to keep employees at home, given the fact that they can't with easy access to internet and other communities that rural facilities struggle with. I would say a well-run remote workforce um, tends to have three key components well aligned, which are people, process, and technology. When um, we're talking about people, as some organizations to continue to navigate their work from home options. They need to look at their employees and determine whether they are meant to work remotely or not. At the beginning of the pandemic, I will say that many organizations saw an increase in productivity as staff members were excited to still have a job, uh -huh. to continue working. But now that the fears of unemployment have somewhat subsided, organizations are starting to see a drop in productivity. Also, there is a fatigue of being at home. Um, not everybody is fit or meant to work from home. So in year two, it's key for organizations to really identify which employees will remain uh, at home and who will be brought back into the office. Now, after they evaluate the staffing needs, organizations really need to make sure that they have clearly documented workflows and have published their policies and procedures so they can foster staff autonomy and accountability. They want to give the tools to the staff so they know what they are supposed to be doing, when are they doing it, how are they doing it, and set clear expectations to, to actually get better results. Um, organizations also need to be sure that these employees are engaged and have the same opportunities that in-office staff members would have um, to be recognized and then be promoted. And I will say the last piece to this puzzle is technology. Having the right tools so employees can do their job and for the team to timely and effectively communicate and engage um, each other um, will be very, very crucial for 
for uh, a remote workforce to work. Let's switch gears a little bit to uh, self-pay collections. So as we know, sure. self-pay collections are really important and always getting more important. But at the same time, the pandef pandemic has left people really financially strapped as a lot of patients who have lost work or lost insurance coverage or both. So how can revenue cycle leaders help patients while also not hurting the financial health of their organization when it comes to self-pay collections? Um, Alex, I, I would say that the big secret to success when it comes to patient collections is being proactive. Mm -hmm. Taking this opportunity to update self-pay policies for uninsured and underinsured patients. Um, Checking eligibility every time the patient comes in. Um, also leveraging technology to facilitate the collection of outstanding balances, such as online and mobile payment capabilities. Automating credit cards um, so they can take uh, payments uh, from the patients on a monthly basis and really helping the patient understand what, what the responsibility is, um, helping, helping them estimate what um, the financials are gonna be if they are to have specific non-emergent procedures and, and help them pay for these services with all of these automated tools that I was just talking about. And automated, automating uh, collection letters or phone calls, but, but the reality is, is that being proactive pays for both. The organization, so they are able to collect from the press from the patient before the services are rendered, and for the patient, so they know what they are getting this, their stem cells into, and they can um, prepare for the for the surgery. Finally, what are some revenue cycle practices that you think have really paid off for organizations during the pandemic, and are there traits that really well functioning revenue cycles all have in common? <laughs> so, organizations that had revenue cycle analytics, denial management tools, employees were working from home, and they had automated checking processes in place at the beginning of 2020 were perhaps better positioned than any other organization to manage the operational demands of the pandemic. I mean, these organizations were able to easily monitor and adjust their key performance indicators, um, timely identify their denials by payer, by provider, keep up with all of the different regulations that were changing due to telemedicine billing, et cetera. Um, they were able to avoid disrupt, disrupting their operations while transitioning employees to work uh, from home and were able to provide contactless solutions for patients to interact with their office. Also organizations that had outsourced their billing operations or at least had partners to support um, some of these processes with a, with a key with a key company really help them stay up to speed with all the billing requirements and to augment their staffing needs when it was applicable. Um, so if they had all of this in place, they were golden, right? Um, but, um, but if they didn't, I, I would say that as it relates to the common traits of well-functional revenue cycle departments, I would say that these departments tend to have a culture of excellence that is supported by continuous process improvement initiatives um, they tend to avoid making the same mistake over and over again. They have a cohesive relationship between patient access and back office operators, where there are not any gaps nor any finger pointing between these two departments that is very common in a lot of organizations. They also have analytics tools that allow them to track every metric possible, as you cannot really improve what you are not measuring. Um, I would say that they have access to expertise to help them nav navigate the complexities of the industry. And finally, I would say they tend to be innovators, organizations that 
constantly are being asked to do more with less are the ones that are really trying to embrace opportunities to automate and streamline processes with key partnerships as much as possible. You had mentioned that folks who had certain processes in place already, like a work at home staff before the pandemic, were better prepared to deal with the pandemic when it hit. Are there things now that revenue cycles should be looking at that are still undone that they should maybe get the ball rolling on before the next emergency? Um, Alex, I, I would say that um, if they are already well positioned to work from home, if they have all of the analytics tools in place to track the denials and to measure all of the key performance indicators of the revenue cycle, if they have kind of like touchless solutions for their patients, um, then the next step is really concentrating on automation. We want to make sure that these organizations are able to do more with less. And, and get the efficiencies that, that they need to in their processes. And, and not to revert back to the old way of doing business once the pandemic is over or the emergency is over. Um, there is a lot of tendency on going back to business uh, where um, prior to an emergency like this, and, and instead use this opportunity to make those processes better, to learn, what, uh, learn from what they had experienced by implementing new tools, and improved on those experiences and in those processes. So when the time comes, whether it's a tornado or what happens to be, they are ready to, to manage these, these processes and they're kind of like future-proofing the revenue cycle. Paula, it's been so wonderful talking with you. Thank you for being here and sharing your expertise <laughs> with us. Thank you so much, Alex. This, this has been an exciting conversation and, and one that I'm really passionate about. Thank you, listeners, for joining us on the Health Leaders Revenue Cycle podcast. Until next time, keep taking care of patients and each other.